This is the Negro League Podcast with Preach James. Two, one, two. I'm here to give it the shits, man. Um, this is the podcast. Blah 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 blah. Um, I wanted to do a quick intro because we had an episode ready to go, um, but I I, I felt like it would make more sense to hold back a week because when we recorded it, um, it was right before the passing of of Kobe Bryant, and I just was not in the mood or or, or felt like it was appropriate to to be like, hey. I got a new podcast because everybody was was pretty much mourning, and I know I was one of them. Um, <clears throat> so, you know, I want to get this quick intro just in case the episode came out and there's no like indication of it. So, there's a couple of things that's happened since the podcast. Uh, Kobe, his daughter Gianna, and uh, seven other people passed away in the helicopter crash, and Patrick Mahomes and the Kansas City Chiefs won uh, the Super Bowl. And Patrick Mahomes won MVP. So I'm guessing uh, another podcast episode, I'll talk a little bit more about that stuff. I got some more guests coming in and all that good shit. But, um, yeah, I, I just wanted to give uh, about a week or so of, of just chilling out with the pod um, after Kobe had passed away. Because I, you know, I just was in no mood to hear or see anything. I kind of had to stay off social media a little bit because it was just a lot of shit, you know. Um so yeah, uh, enjoy this episode, and uh, see y'all soon. Peace. See the thing about this beer though is I'm gonna burp, so I'm gonna try. To That's fine. That's it. fine. We're recording actually. One, two, three. Ladies and gentlemen, this is the Negro League Podcast. I go by the name of Preach Jacobs. We are sponsored by Mo Better Soul Clothing. Go to mobettersoul.bitcartel.com. Enter code Negro to save 10% on your next motherfucking order. We're also sponsored by Down East Records. Go to downeastrecords.com and Down East Records on all social media. Enter code Negro to save 10% on your next vinyl order. We're back here at the Loneliest Drunk Podcast. I'm sorry, not the Loneliest Drunk. Negro League, I got a bunch of podcasts. I mean, whatever. Uh, there's a bunch of podcasts I had to keep up with. Uh, we have another guest in the building. Uh, this is kind of the follow-up to the last episode, if you guys listen. Shout-out to the homie Abyss that did the last episode. Um, came all the way from Atlanta. Uh, we have a special guest. Tell people what your name is. I am Tacole. You're so far away. Get closer. Oh, hey. No, actually, I am Cola be talking because that's what happens when I get on the mic. That's what, what I happens. Turn into. What happens? Oh, 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 I turn into Cola be talking. Cola be talking. I just be talking. Cola be talking Thursdays yeah. on UPN. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't come from Atlanta. I drove all the way from Irmo. Hey y'all. Oh, so wonderful to be here for our two listeners, Irmo, South Carolina. Me. Right, right, Irmo, South Carolina. Yeah. So yeah, yeah. Um, so tell us about your wonderful podcast that you have. There's so much that I could tell you. Uh, Let's see. It's called Black in the Garden, right? Mm -hmm. At the intersection of black culture and horticulture because it's so many black, well, not so many black. That's the problem. It's Mm. so many white fairies and gnomes, and that really just got on my nerves. (laughs) White fairies and gnomes? Yeah, because I'm going, like, there's so many reasons reasons why how the podcast came to be. Mm -hmm. And I just representation first and foremost over everything because i just noticed that 
you know, uh, the podcast that I was listening to when mm-hmm. I was listening to podcasts, many, I still do, but uh, so many gardening podcasts. Let me be very specific about the genre, okay? Mm-hmm. Uh, listen to all of these podcasts and everyone is pretty much white. And white, it's white people planting kale. <laughs> well, they, they, they have some interesting subject matter. However, they... White people have a certain way of centering themselves when they're doing whatever it is that they do. Okay, give me an example. What you, what you mean? Well, I'm going to give you an example. It's like they, they do a rap song and they no, bleep out the niggas? No, no, no. That's not, no, that's not uh, where I'm going with this. See, which you're white, trying to wh- beat which, me to the punch. Which white people, if you are rapping a, a, a rap song, it might be in your best interest. to Just chill. Yeah, don't, yeah say, don't say niggas. Don't do all yeah. that. And Halloween, don't put blackface on. I'm just saying. Are we... St- it's 2020. We still got to tell Man, them this. I, every Halloween, I have to have a disclaimer that I'm mm. like, I'm like, if your Halloween outfit requires you to put paint in your face to change your race, unless you're the Incredible Hulk, mm-hmm. don't do it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. No, just green, not black. Yeah. Only green. Or if you watch The Watchmen, you ever watch The Watchmen? No. Okay. Well, he's blue. It's Dr. Manhattan. He's blue. Okay. So that'll work. Blue yeah. works? Yeah, blue works. But okay. Yeah, yeah. But yeah. Not too dark blue. Uh, not too dark. Oh, yeah, Navy see. blue. Oh, it's like almost no. smurf. You still get your ass beat. Yeah. Mm, okay. Well, okay. Well, thank you for uh, giving me that education. Mm-hmm. And, well, that's not really for me because I know blackface is just not my thing. Please don't do blackface for Halloween. You ain't going to do that, are you? But see, okay. No. You talking to the white people. I'm. Listen. So look, okay, so let me go back a little bit further as far as what was happening uh with the, the, the white censorship. With the white yes, the white censorship is so what happens is you're listening but you don't hear any kind of references that really well, let me just say me, not you, because I don't know what y'all be doing out there, the two of y'all that are listening. Uh, <laughs> so look, so I'm listening and I don't hear any kind of black references. I Basically, it just sounds very dry to me. Mm, okay, can mm. we just put it like that? Okay. Uh, there are there are these uh, shows that come on like PBS, I believe. There's mm-hmm. this one show, I can't think of the name of it because that's just how boring it is. But really, <laughs> it's a garden show, but it's like these elderly white people and they are just not very appealing to most people i would imagine but definitely not someone who has the the capacity for black so what's the show is it like even like recipes on how to make a fucking i don't know caesar salad no it is a garden um podcast not podcast my bad it is not a A, a it's a tv TV show show. Mm -hmm. like it is televised but anyway so back to the white censorship what happens is with black people, we have a way of talking about what our experience is. And culturally, you know, our experiences are different. Mm. Just being like the name of the show, being black in the garden. Mm-hmm. The actual act of being black in the garden, there's so much to it. It's it's a revolutionary thing. Mm-hmm. Um, also, there have been accounts of several people across the country who have been, they've had the police called on them because- they, they're community gardening. And the cops are like, niggers don't garden. <laughs> like, that, yeah. Oh, yeah, pretty much, yeah. But they're community gardening, and, I mean, you could probably guess that race that called the police on them, mm-hmm. but they're just out there minding their black-ass business and, you know, just trying to make sure their turnips are straight or whatever, and all of a sudden they got to deal with the police. You know what? There's a book that I have that I, I think it would be really kind of cool for you to look into this. There's, a, there's an author named Michael Twitty. Shout mm-hmm. out to Michael. 
um, who I'm trying to bring here to do uh, some some talk back stuff and do uh, some speeches or whatever. He has a book called The Cooking Gene. And and one of the fascinating things about him was that when I first came across him, I wasn't a fan of him because I took everything out of context. Because like so basically he has a um, I don't know if he's still there, but he had a culinary. uh, What do you call it? It was a um, residency at Williamsburg. Right. Mm. So so Williamsburg is this historical place where everything looks like the fucking 1700s. I went there on a field trip. Yeah. Yeah. When I was in in sixth grade. Yeah. Oh, wow. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Wow. Okay. But what he does is as a black man, he shows how enslaved people. This is how we prepared our food. This is how we did this. This is how we did that. So Mm. essentially he's dressed the way that our ancestors were dressed and he prepares Mm. the food the way. I answer to prepare the food. And when I first saw it, you know, immediately the the the, the black power ass nigga in me would be like, man, what this motherfucker dressed like a slave for? You oh, know, no. but but listening to him talk about it, it was pretty fucking fascinating. And I mean, he's pretty he's pretty fucking brilliant. And and he says that he does this. So we know what our people had to go through, how to prepare this. And his book, The Cooking Gene, wasn't just um, talking about how our ancestors prepared the food, but it was the connective tissue about him tracing his ancestry back, right? So so one of the things he talked about was this. So the stereotype about niggas loving chicken, oh, black people love chicken and this and this and this and that, was basically like, look, man, this was something that was used as a currency with mm-hmm. our ancestors because white folks didn't know what the fuck to do with it. Because, like, you know what I mean? Like, Season they, it yeah, first. They, they didn't know what to do. So we use chickens as way to buy our freedom. We use chickens wow. to be able to to help. You know, if I'm married, let me buy my my wife from, from another plantation, that type of thing. So that correlation between chicken and black people has such a historical significance that, that we don't even know. And so at the beginning of the book, know. he traces his entire family back. And he's, he's such a fascinating story. He's a black man. Um, who this culinary expert who teaches all around the world, he converted to Judaism and he's mm. gay. So like his whole story about how he kind of brings all those things together is insane. And I think it's pretty brilliant. And he said the great thing about him being involved in the process of growing the food, cooking the food, eating the food is saying we need to know what our ancestors went through. And also the, our plates tell us who we are. Oh yeah, our plate tell us who yeah, we are. Yeah, yeah. So, I like that. Yeah, he's he's pretty gangster. So I, I I would look into that if if, if I was you. But like yeah. everything that they do, they grow it. They they it's like from farm to table type of thing. That's it. Yeah. You know that's like kind of trendy right now. But now we're gonna have to get into this whole thing where it's there's so much connectiveness. You know, like you said, connective tissue. Mm-hmm. So when we say farm to table, now that's like a cute trendy thing. But mm-hmm. that just used to be how it was. Yeah. Um, I meant to take out my computer before we got started, but okay. Do look. we need to pause and take a break? Let's take a break. All right. <gasps> Ladies and gentlemen, we're going to take a break so she can pull out her motherfucking computer. Hold on. Yeah, 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 yeah. We're back after we got done with our cigarette break. Um, Did you find all the stuff that you was looking for? It wasn't a lot of stuff. I just wanted to make a point because I wanted to tie some things together. All right. Okay, so what had happened was, mm. so we were talking about farm to table, yeah, right? Yeah, Boom. Yeah, mm-hmm, so mm-hmm. at this point, where we are in society is we aren't, 
I mean, it is farm to table, but the farm is like way far away from the table instead of it being what it used to be, which was it was garden to table and your your produce, you know, you pretty much you grew it yourself and you went out in the yard mm-hmm. or in the field and you picked it and it was like right there on your own property and you brought it in the house. Somehow we have gotten to this point where we are reliant for all of our food needs on the grocery store. Mm-hmm. Now, here's where a fun Black history fact comes in. I just was reintroduced to Frederick McKinney, McKinley Jones, mm-hmm. and he is the inventor. I'm just reading this right off of farmproject.org. He's the inventor of one of the most important inventions to modern agriculture, the refrigerated truck. Okay. Ah, okay. Imag- but he's black, though. Yeah, that's, that's a big deal. Um, yeah. Side note, you ever heard of this movie called Once Upon a Time When We Were Colored? Yes. Have you ever seen it? Did not see it. It is one of my favorite movies. It was directed by Tim Reed, which Tim Reed, if you remember Sister Sister, he was the dad on Sister Sister. Yeah. Um, but his background is pretty great because he was a comedian that was like he worked with Richard Pryor early on in the Richard Pryor show and oh. all that good stuff. But one of the premises of the film was it was this rural black uh it was a rural southern place where in order for us to refrigerate our, our food back in the day, you had an ice guy that basically your refrigerator basically had a section for a big block of ice to refrigerate everything. Ice box. Yeah. And it was a black guy that did that business. And then mm. and then further on, the, the premise of the movie was there was this mill that, that uh, employed a bunch of black people. Mm-hmm. And all of a sudden, what happened back in the day was that white people would look at the stuff that um, – black business owners were doing because my my parents talked to me about this where for an example mm-hmm. you look at something like custodial work my right. my one of my father's first jobs he worked with a, a, a black man a black um a, a black muslim that was with the nation of islam and he was doing custodial work and that was something that was kind of frowned upon right mm. where because white people looked at it as we're too we're too good to clean up a business or clean this up or whatever but when they saw that black man getting into a Cadillac and having a fleet of Cadillacs, he had th- to have then white rights. people were like, hmm, well, let us come in, and since we can get better bank loans and better this and better that, we can kind of undercut them. And that yeah. was kind of one of the premises of the movie where this guy, this black man who was the, the ice delivery guy, when white people saw that he was making a good living, it was like, hey, maybe we can get a white person to do this shit. And there was a, there was a, a part in the movie that I don't want to give it away because you should really see it where they were trying to force all the black workers working at this mill that said, if you want to keep your job, you have to go to this white guy to get your ice. And there was an amazing moment Whoa. in that move in that movie that just really, really struck me. But it was, but it's kind of one of those things when we're talking about, you know, black entrepreneurship, black businesses. And even if, even if you're growing your own food, that in some kind of way is black entrepreneurship. And my thing about it is, there's a word for that. What, what do you have? I call it, Plantrepreneurship. Okay, tell me. Plantrepreneurship? Plantrepreneur, but plantrepreneur, it sounds fancier that way. All right, okay. Indulge me. Okay, uh, you're indulged. Continue, about that? Thank you. Continue your point. I didn't mean to interrupt you that much. <laughs> She's like, I want to interrupt you because I made a motherfucking word. Whatever, <laughs> 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 oh, it's all good. But 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 my thing is, who in your family um, did this that inspired you to say, this is something that I think I want to focus on as 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 a uh, uh, something that I think is important to talk about, about people of color getting involved in gardening. Was it your mom? Was your dad? Like, who was there anybody no. in your past that got you into it? No, it was me. I got into plants because I just wanted to start. I wanted to learn how to grow <laughs> said, things. I wanted to grow my own weed, and it just sprouted I mean, out I mean, we'll get there. I, <laughs> that, that's something that, you know, that takes 
a lot more effort and and so on and so forth we like i said we'll get there but it wasn't inspired by my my parents or anything like mm-hmm. that they halfway don't really get the whole concept of what i'm trying to do um similar to uh a child who is coming into an adult child, mm-hmm. okay, coming into their understanding of themselves as an artist or, you know, just as a creative in general or an entrepreneur. Mm, the okay. struggle is similar mm-hmm. with what you have to deal with between how your parents are like, what is you doing? Like, you're yeah. not clocking in nowhere. So, what is this all about? Yeah. And, 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 and you're getting shit for it. And that's the thing about, like, you know, especially like black Southern parents is that I used to think that my father was just like hated the shit out of me but but i don't think that was the case i think that there's a few things when i look at black rural southern upbringing especially black southern rural men is that number one growing up my father had difficulty communicating with me and i thought i thought it was personal but what i realized is when he grew up black folks didn't have time for kids <laughs> you know what Aww, i mean Oh, that's true you, you know so so the approach is basically the, the the black man in the house didn't have to be a communicator he just had to be a provider so it's basically like, yo i you got you got food on the table clothes on your back roof all right well shut the fuck up and so yeah. the idea of 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 speaking to your kids or even the concept of good husband good father is kind of a new concept you know what mm. i mean like like all of us have evolved yeah like 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 gerard carmichael had a joke he said if you're really honest about your granddad your granddad was probably a piece of shit <laughs> you know what I'm saying? But like, he didn't. He wasn't trying to be. He wasn't trying. He just didn't know any better. Yeah. You know, he's like at some point you your granddad probably hit your grandmother. You know what I mean? Like yeah. you know, my granddad was a piece of shit. Hey, hey, Jake Branch, rest in peace. But but Aww. but he did. But they didn't know any better, and and that's where the the evolution comes from. So like so when I think of things where we're talking about the idea of being an artist, that's foreign to them. You know what I'm saying? Because yeah. they're like, yo, you get out of school, you get a job. And so the idea of because because technically to be an artist you're basically creating your own opportunity, and and yeah. and so so you're basically like you know conjuring something out of thin air and trying to that figure is, out a way to monetize it. I like the word that you. That's use, exactly conjure. what it is. Yeah. Well, no, because I really as I have been on this journey and it hasn't been a whole long time where I've been so intensively on the journey. Uh, very recently, I realized you know I have all of these. The way I put it was there's literally a building in my mind. Mm. I can see the structure. Okay. Mm-hmm. So what I have to do is kind of like figure out how to uh, build that structure outside of my mind so everybody else can see it. What, what, co- what color did you paint? The oh building? my God. No. It's, it's like a fuchsia. It's, it's, yeah. It might it's, be like it's, it's shades of purple. Yes. Blurple. Yeah. Shades of purple for sure because purple's my fave. Purple's my jam. And yeah, no, just having to. Just knowing that there's this thing that exists in my head, but it's only in my head until I can figure out how to create all this structure and everything so that everybody else can see it. And it's frustrating because you're like, I know what it's going to be. And then nobody really wants to fuck with you until they actually can see it, you know, especially if it's something where you're getting a lot of acclaim and and notability for, and then it's a whole different situation. Well, I think it's just the trauma of black people in America where it's basically like, you know, there's this, there's this statistic that if you open up a business or a restaurant, the Mm -hmm. the statistic is you don't know if you're going to survive unless you make it to five years. So, Technically, or, or 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 by the numbers, businesses are expected to fail if you don't make it to five years. 
And so in order to be an entrepreneur, you have to have the freedom to fail. Yes. You know, and and the, and that's the thing is that white folks always, even if you look at something like sports, where it's just like you'll have a white coach in, in the NFL. He don't do very good. He gets mm. fired. Somebody else is going to give him an opportunity. White mediocrity is very oh, real. Man, look here, man. Like, look. And they, they get by on mediocrity where we have to be like a one super duper awesome great yes. you know I top mean, of the line look, and that's not fair black mediocrity is not something that it's not that we have to celebrate it but can we just have the space but Tyler let's, Perry but let's but let's be honest about it too is that in order for us to get into these spaces we can't be we can't be mediocre it always has to be this it's like if we look at if we look at um Big, I'm a big baseball guy, and when you talk about like Jackie Robinson and stuff like that, so if we mm. talk about if we talk about Jackie, Jackie wasn't the best player that the Negro Leagues had to offer, but mm. Jackie was Jackie was was designated because he had the infrastructure internally to be able to like put up with a lot of stuff, and a lot of the shit was like, oh. hey man, he was told like, look, we're gonna bring you in to play for the for the Brooklyn Dodgers in 1947, give us one year. No, I think it was two years. Give us two years where you just shut the fuck up. Give us two years that when you play in these games, people say a bunch of racist shit, a bunch of terrible stuff. I need you to shut the fuck up for two years. And that was that. And, and the reality of it was Jackie was chosen because he had the temperament for it. There was a lot of players that would help a lot better that if if they didn't put up with that, then maybe Major League Baseball was like, say we can't bring niggers in here. You know what I'm saying? Uh-huh. And so. And so there's this threshold that black people always had to deal with where either a we were brilliant, but we had to kind of like suppress how brilliant we were or Mm -hmm. suppress our frustrations because we felt like that if we talked about, you know, upper management and what needed to be handled, that we feel like our opportunity is going to be taken away. And that's just something that that is this that's traumatic because we still deal with that to this day. And, and, And so being an artist or doing something on the off beaten path. Our parents are ultra paranoid about that. You know what I mean? Because they don't have they don't have a playbook for that. You know what I mean? Playbook, yeah, yeah. that's valid. Yeah, you know they, they they're terrified of it. You know, but they're they're living in a different time in their head, and this is something that I specifically have had a conversation about and have been you know kind of informed about is that they are they're judging the whole situation based on what their principles or their values are, which are outdated. That's yeah. what it is. It's outdated. There's a book called... Um, you in these books. Man, nigga. She's you like, be she, reading. How, how you, how you be like, you say that in a negative, like, nigga, why you be reading shit? She, she should it's watch It's not that. even that. Yeah. What's it's that new Tyler like, Perry movie that's out? What's it called? Fall from Grace? Yeah. You should be watching Fall from Grace. I'll be reading books. No, don't don't look at that. Well, there's a, but we there's can a, do better things with our time. Well, well there's a book. There's a book. <laughs> I hear you in the back laughing. <laughs> there, there's a book called Guns, Germs, and Steel. Yeah. And and it basically, um, it basically puts stuff in perspective like this. Like when white people be on some shit, like, well, you know, black people were savages, and it, you know, if they were smarter, they wouldn't have been taken over by slavery, whatever, whatever. It, it's, wow. it's it's bullshit. And and those are the and... arguments that you hear racist white people say. So Guns, Germs, and Steel says that. Um, history is based on um, guns being able to be violent to overtake a place, 
yeah. germs where if you look at even if you look at this country where where it's like, you know, Christopher Columbus comes here and it's Native Americans and they bring all this disease and they kill uh, a, a fucking That's continent. Real. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. And they can overtake it because they kill it's everybody. It's kind of like biological yeah. warfare on a level. Well, the, the, the reality of it is this. There's, there's a portion in the book that talks about this, and this puts it in perspective. There's a portion in the book that talks about maybe um, there's this, this remote island where it's a small tribe of people, um, like in the Amazon, where in this area, there's not a lot of food in the area. Right? Okay. There's not a lot of food in the area. So there's there's only a small percentage of stuff that you can eat. And it's a very difficult thing to prepare to eat. So the people that live in the area, the men all day long have to go climb these trees, grab this particular type of food, and the women take all day to cook it. And mm. I say that to say this, is that if you're in an environment that is so um, agriculturally stressful that your entire day is preparing and eating food, then you don't have time to focus on science. You don't have time to focus on art. You don't have time to focus on these other things. And so what, okay. happens, so what happens to black people in America when it comes to being artists or being creatives is that shit is so crazy and so fucked up and the rat race is so terrible that mm. the concept of investing in artwork doesn't exist with my family. You know what I'm saying? That is very understandable. You, 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 That's you a very practical saying? way that you have put it into that context. I mean, even photography. It's that there's no picture. There's one picture of my dad as a child. Because yeah. because if you're going through extreme rural black poverty to to get picture developed, that's a fucking luxury. It <laughs> like, is well, a luxury. How do you, have that? you know what I'm saying? Yeah. And I think that kind of plays off on us when we're talking to our parents about being artists and being creatives. They're looking at it from the perspective of, yo, we ain't never had that. Like, why are you going to waste right. your time on it? You know? Well, I do get also, it's this, there's also a, a conditioning where they are, it's like if you're not clocking into a job and getting a check and having a W-2, mm. then you ain't really doing something with yourself. But so my argument to that is, well, OK, so whoever's job it is that I'm clocking into, whoever it is that I'm working for, you know, you've heard that saying where it's like that's somebody else's dream. Mm. That person is rich. I'm like, they have vacation houses. <laughs> right. You know what I mean? They have like butlers and they have like house managers and stuff like that. They get to live their dream. But. I don't even get to dream. I'm just expected to go and work for this individual. So yeah. um, I was going to say entrepreneurship, but just in general. <laughs> okay, we're talking about. I was going to say my fake word. <laughs> no, it's not a fake word. It is real. I am living it. Okay. I, okay. It's a thing. It is a thing. So look. Okay. So fake, fake. Entrepreneur, don't do me. Don't do it. <laughs> Entrepreneurship is important for us as a people so that we can reclaim some independence. Mm -hmm. There's this whole concept of, see, I used to be very much rolling my eyes when I would hear the term living your dream, mm -hmm. follow your dream and all that stuff right there. It's just like, what you mean? Like, I'm not asleep, though. Like, stay woke. What oh, about that? OK. Oh, snap, snap. Uh, yeah. Thank you. Thank you. So, no, look. So what happens is when when we're thinking about the concept of following the dream, this is what it really is. Everybody is put on the earth with a specific set of talents, abilities, and interests. Mm -hmm. And according to your abilities and interests, that really determines what you should be doing and what you should be contributing to 
society and what you should be contributing to the world. And in the ideal, you know, utopian kind of situation, we would be able to do that thing and we would be able to get paid for that thing. But here's the here's the cool part, though. Mm -hmm. Those who are the entrepreneurs, I'm not even saying successful or not successful, but especially consider the successful ones. Those are the ones who have figured out how they can like do what they really want to do and live the life that they want to live and make a living like they they get to just live their dream like that literally is it i'm not sure if i put all those pieces together in a way where it's like you get it but does that make sense well all right playing armchair psychologist all right what's your dream my dream what's your dream okay so I just really like to grow stuff. Mm. So that's how all this gardening stuff my came own about. Cucumbers be in. I do. Okay, so <laughs> I know that one of my talents, one of my talents and abilities is being able to grow things. And I'm not even saying that I'm the best one out here doing it. I'm not even going to sit up here and lie to you about that. I'm also, and this is important to know, mm-hmm. I am a hyper creative. I am always wanting to do this, that, or whatever. It's not just gardening types of things. It's like me wanting to try my hand at comedy, me wanting to be a comedian, me wanting to host workshops, me wanting to uh, do uh, empowerment for women, and also just wanting to, like, sometimes I just want to get a sponge and some paint and just, like, splash, throw well, it all over the walls. And it, and it falls back to what we were saying before is having the freedom to fail. It's because, freedom. Yeah, the freedom to fail because because white folks, I think, historically feel like, hey, we can experiment, we can do this, we can do that, and there will always be somebody out there that will give us another opportunity. Whereas yeah. us, we're like, man, if we fuck this up, we ain't going to get another one. You know what I mean? That like, can't be. That is so traumatic. And that's a difficult way to live that we feel like scarcity that that if we fuck up anything that we'll never have another opportunity. So the comedy thing. Yeah, sure. All right. So if you got a good here's a funny thing. Right. So I used to do radio. And the funny thing about radio is this. Everything is like hyper elevated. So, for an example, if you're hanging out with a friend and there's 60 seconds of silence, it's not a big deal. Okay. But if you're on the radio and something happens. And there's silence for 60 seconds. Dead air. Yo, it's a long fucking time. That's a big deal. So I say this to say comedy, I look at it the same way, where it's like people be like, yo, man, put me on stage. Give me 15 minutes. 15 minutes on stage to do comedy is a long fucking time. I tell you. So I tell people two minutes is a lot. So my question would be this. Your, your, Your comedic debut. Uh-huh. If you were given like two minutes, like, do you have like a story or a joke that you got that you can give? Um, you know, that'd be your icebreaker for, for when you're like doing your comedy. You know what? I actually do not. And you I'm going to tell you why. What you, what no, you I'm going to tell you why, because what you over there doing is you're making these assumptions about what I want to do as a comedian. I never said that I wanted to go and get up on a stage and be a comedian. I didn't say I wanted to be some more or Martin Lawrence. I, I want to I use my that. comedy in a in a an empowering way i want to use my comedy in a healing you way said you want to be in stand-up though you said did stand-up. i say stand-up Nigga, you said stand-up we can rewind it back but i don't fuck it up you said stand-up. no it's fine if i said stand-up fine you said stand-up. okay let me okay so let's just rewind not the <laughs> tape <laughs> <laughs> let's just rewind so that i i call it just going back a little bit further basically when i first thought about when I first got cool with the concept of saying, you know what? I'm just going to be a comedian. It's Mm -hmm. all good. I'm going to claim it at the very least claim it. Mm -hmm. That doesn't mean that 
because a lot of people, when you tell them that you want to be a comedian, then they there's this immediate expectation. Well, make me laugh. Then I didn't say that I was the comedian to make you laugh. There's a comedian for you. That's that's not what I'm saying. Mm-hmm. It's like this is a very specific niche, if you will. All right, situation. So, so, so what kind of comedy do you want to do? I want to do empowerment comedy. There are people who are hurting. Me, well, I'm not, I wouldn't say that I am hurting, but I would say that I have dealt with some heavy stuff, mm-hmm. uh, 2019 to be specific. At this point in my life, I am going through a reconstructive phase. I am going through divorce right now. Mm. And so I understand that everybody else or, you know, others, women specifically, who are going through similar situations and having had heartbreak and, you know, just hardship when it comes to just emotional things, mm. uh, they are in need of support and they are in need of just lightening that emotional heaviness. Well, well, so the- this is where the comedy comes in, where I'm like, I would like to soothe you in that way and also empower you and let you know, sis, it's going to be cool. And these are the reasons why. And these are the reasons why this nigga had you fucked up. Well, I think that'd be hilarious, though, because it's like it, it, to, to support you. You know, I tell people this. It's like every great comedian, um, there's always like a glitch, right? It's it's like there's something funny in suffering because it's something mm-hmm. that because I think suffering brings people together more than extreme success, right? That's why definitely. Like, that's why like hip hop kind of like when rappers get really really too famous, they don't they're not as good anymore because like people can't really kind of relate to that anymore. Yeah, but we can relate to. You know, uh, the the person trying to get out of a situation to get yeah. into something. And so my theory on comedians is all my favorite comedians, it's like, you know, uh, uh, you know, if you look at Chris Rock, his voice is really, really weird and loud. And, and <laughs> like there's always something- and he was very ugly. Coming I mean, out. he got his teeth fixed eventually, but yeah, but but that's but that's the point that I'm saying. It's like supermodels don't do comedy because there's nothing funny about being beautiful. You know what I'm saying? Yes. And, and so I feel like. Pain and struggle is kind of the same thing. So listening to when I hear the words like like words that like stick out to me, I hear divorce. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? It's and, a bitch. And and also like you know you you talked about uh, uh being a truck driver. Like yeah, yo, oh we were gonna get into that. Yo, I'm sure. there's so much. There's so yeah. much fucking material there. I got material. I got like there's a situation that occurred where I had a partner and uh, it was this. I was going to say young lady, but she was older than me. And mm. it's hard for me to not be shady towards her because she ended up being a troll. Yo, okay? fuck that bitch. Yeah, l- thank you. You said it. You heard it here first. Yeah, Diane. I don't know her name, but she's I'm Diane. not going to say her name. I'm not going to put Rebecca. her on blast Why have like I got that? like black names? She black or white? I, she was black. Okay, I got to get black name. Oh, so, um, hold on. I got to think of a black name. You don't have to. I got to think of a black name. We Candace. Fuck you, Candace. Why I can't stand you, Candace. <laughs> <laughs> Well, okay, so I don't really, I don't, honestly, I don't feel like getting into the story, but what ended up happening was- Bertha, sorry. We was, oh, that's a good trucker name. Uh, yeah, good that's tr- a yeah, good that's trucker, a trucker name. Yeah. That is the standard <laughs> female trucker name. So, look, so she, we get out there, I'm thinking we're cool, you know, we, we had been pretty cool and having conversations and all that stuff, friendly, very friendly for uh, the months before we decided that we were going to drive together, and then- we end up in this partnership and we end up out in uh, California mm-hmm. and um, she is 
pretty much scared shitless by the time we get to L.A. traffic. Scare- and she's she's driving. scared of traffic or you? She's scared of traffic. Oh, God. And, you know, we're in a team situation. How, and how big How big was the truck? Was it an 18-wheeler? It was an 18-wheeler. It's Nicka. like the, the regular degular 18-wheeler. Nicka. What is it, 53-inch? Not inch. 53-foot trailer. So this is like basically inch. like a. Sorry, fellas. Oh, this my <laughs> God. See? <laughs> Can't nobody do nothing with 53 inches, though. Niggas be like, yo, bitch, this nigga's no. like a seat, oh, uh, flat screen TV, bitch. No, yeah, <laughs> She's exactly. Like, That's fine, I don't need that. No, act, no, I'll pass. <laughs> so we're we're in this 53-foot, pulling this 53-foot trailer, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. And we're in L.A. traffic, and sh- I'm sleeping because in a team operation, the reason why a company is wanting that to be a, a situation is because they're just making nonstop money because the truck is just only it's only in motion. Mm. It only stops to to refuel. Yeah, refuel or to load or unload. And they set it up so where a team they don't have to sit there and wait. They usually can just drop their trailer and get a loaded trailer mm-hmm. like that. So it's like keep it moving, keep it moving. So basically that that's kind of a tangent. But we get out there. I'm supposed to be sleeping, mm-hmm. right? Because when one person is driving, the other person is supposed to be sleeping. Mm-hmm. It's like, you know, you got a, a phone and you got like your extra battery and it's like charging. Mm-hmm. I don't know why I said it like that, but sure, you get it. It makes sense. You get it. Yeah. Right. <laughs> we understand. Yeah, ah. yeah. That's it. That's it. So I'm supposed to be asleep, but she's waking me up because she's like, oh, my God, I'm so scared. How am I going to get to the warehouse? And I'm like, girl, just GPS? Like, just follow <laughs> that. So I end up sitting in the passenger seat with her so you're staying awake while you're supposed to be asleep yes i ended up being woke while i'm supposed to be asleep trying to help her basically telling her the same thing that gps is telling her but she really just she needed that support she needed somebody right there because she was scared it's la traffic and i get it it's la traffic but still traffic is traffic for me just slow down when you're not certain. Yeah, yeah. Fuck, or, these, fuck these people that be trying to haunt, nigga. I'm yeah. Where I need to go. Yeah. I mean, you're in the truck. I feel like you have the advantage. You have the muscle. Nobody's really trying to mess with you. They just don't want you to get in front of them. So because of the fact that I miss sleep, by the time my shift came around, you know, this is just kind of fast forwarding the whole mm-hmm. situation. By the time my shift comes around, then she is sleep, of course. And then by the time I I ended up on the night shift. Oh, my God. And so I get the load and they ended up taking a long time for me to get the load. Oh no! And so it's like maybe about an hour into me driving and I'm like very sleepy. Oh, no. I just. Why are you doing? Because I'm scared. Because I'm, I'm thinking you like. And that's when I got started on my cocaine addiction. No, 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 no. No cocaine was involved. I just remember. That'd keep you awake, nigga. I remember, but that was not for me. Never has and never will be. Heroin. I just remember. <laughs> see, you just gonna name all the drugs, and I'm just gonna let you know that none of those were a factor in that situation. Because if they were, meth. I wouldn't have got sleepy. Your teeth are too nice for None meth. None of the I'm above. Yeah. Thank you very you much. I definitely don't have the meth mouth. Yeah. And the opposite. Meth mouth. Oh, my gosh. Yeah, that's yeah. that's the thing. I made that up. Uh, see? You see how I be making All stuff up? All you these words, man? Yeah. It is what it is. Dictionary ass. I be trying to take. Trying to, you got the books and I make up words. Ah. None of yours are in these motherfucking books. I it's guarantee fine. You. Yeah, that yeah. that's how I get to make my own. So books. So, so what happened after? So hour? what ha- happened was I start hallucinating. What? Have you ever hallucinated? Because what like when you're trying to drive specifically oh, and no. you're very sleepy, hallucinating. If you're trying to drive 
an eighteen wheeler. So that what, is what kind scary. of stuff do you hallucinate? Like what so do you see? So let me let me also remind you that we are in California, going up I fifteen. Mm. Okay, and so I knew from coming in, it was so beautiful coming in. Mm. All of this mountain range and all of these beautiful, you know, this backdrop and stuff. But I know that not too far off the side of that uh, yellow line is a drop. Oh no, nigga. Okay, don't tell me so this. Oh, no. I am terrified because I'm like, yo. Did you kill your partner? I mean, I could have. Okay, all right, okay. As long as you didn't kill your partner, you no, you I didn't. Your story. But I was that's scared. the whole point gonna, of the story. I was is that pause. In the interest of not killing my partner, uh-huh. I was like, I am very sleepy. I am hallucinating. I had to just pull over, just straight out, and I was like, where's the next truck stop? So fortunately, it was within like five minutes. I'm like, okay, cool. I can drag my way there get to this truck stop and I pull in and and it's cool, which is kind of surprising because in the middle of the night, it can be kind of impossible to find a parking spot in Mm. a truck stop because you know, that real estate is, that's a whole nother conversation. Mm -hmm. Uh, But so I parked and I, I remember I set my timer for like maybe 90 minutes. Mm -hmm. I just needed like a little power nap, just Mm -hmm. boom, boom, Mm -hmm. get back up and I'm good. And she woke me up screaming on me. Oh no. And I'm like, Sis, is you all right? Because, like, if I'm asleep, I need to be asleep. She thought that I was trying to cheat her. Cheat her how? This is how it works. When you're in a teaming operation, the way that it works is you only have a certain amount of hours that you can drive. You can't drive more than 11 hours, right? Okay, okay. So if I just bullshit my whole 11 hours and I keep stopping, like, I got to go to the bathroom. Yeah, yeah, Or, yeah. you know, stopping for whatever reasons or you know, just basically I can bullshit my whole 11 hours to where I maybe only drove four. Mm. Whereas your shift comes around, I'm legally not supposed to drive now. It's your turn to drive, but you're going to bust all 11 of yours out. So mm. this is how I could cheat you. You see what I'm saying? Yeah, yeah So yeah. me stopping to take a nap, I can see how in her eyes she was like, you trying to... No, that's not what I was trying to do. You're like, bitch, do you want to die? Right. <laughs> that was what I was... She didn't seem to understand Bitch, do that. you want to meet Jesus? I just kept asking. She, she seemed to want to meet Jesus. But I'm like, yo, so I just need to get this rest right quick. But she just wouldn't stop screaming on me. So we just had to... It just... It went all the way left. Wow. Yeah. But, you know, we lived. We survived. We were supposed to take that load from California to New Jersey, but we made it as far as uh, Denver. And you just quit. <laughs> I didn't quit. She just, her, what is the word? Her um, bitch. Her bitchiness just started to, <laughs> the troll really started to, it's like she was transforming in front of my very eyes, and she just got, like, very hostile towards me. All right, so here's my question. Yeah. As angry as she was, uh-huh. if she was white, uh-huh. Would she have called you a nigger? Wow. Would you would you be would you would you have been a coon? She probably would have. Cause she was very trashy. Oh. Yeah. She probably would have. Wow. You're a coon and raccoons are awake at night time. I don't see Yo. what the problem is. She I mean, she she that that was Who this bitch? Let's I look her up. Let's look it. her up. Let's name this episode of this podcast after her. We're not doing that. We're not going to give her all of that. Yo, her t- name is Tracy. Teresa Jackson, nigga. Let no, me say. her name is Tracy. <laughs> I right. can't remember her last name. Tracy name Jackson. Tracy. This bitch is Tracy Jackson. Sure. Tracy. Yo, fuck you, Tracy Jackson. Yeah, you ain't shit. Yo, 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 when you driving in L.A. traffic, if you can't handle L.A. traffic, this ain't they, the job for you. It's not for you, this girl. Job, this ain't the job for you. Right. You know what I'm saying? Get a job at Whole Foods or Trader mm. Joe's so you can talk to motherfuckers when they get their little salads yeah. and little avocado bags. You know what I'm saying? That's what That's you need it. to do. You That's don't need to be driving no trucks. You know what I mean? That's what she needed to do. But look, okay, so go. 
I'm sorry. I got, I got a cool segue for you. We're going to go right back into gardening. Oh Remember God. I told you. She's like, I was planting tomatoes in the back no. of the truck. <laughs> I wish. I, I thought about it. I really did. This is what I knew. So the guy that I mentioned, Frederick, who Who's Frederick? was the, he created the refrigerated units for uh, trucks. Frederick Douglass, yes. Thermo King is the name of the yeah. uh, the unit. What's it's his name again? Thermo King. What's his name? His name is Frederick. Let me see. Hold on a second. Hey, Google. Who created Thermo King? Oh, she don't Thermo King was founded by Frederick McKinley Jones. Oh, she's telling the truth. Okay, Google, stay woke. Hey, Google, tell me about Frederick McKinley Jones. Is that what's I could have told you. It's right it's here. From the website biography.com. In 1944, Frederick Jones became the first African-American elected to the American Society of Refrigeration Engineers. In 1991, Frederick Jones was posthumously awarded the National Medal of Technology, becoming the first African-American to receive the honor. To find out more, look for the link in your Google Home or Google Assistant app. Thank you. I love Thank you. Thank you. I love you, Google. I did yo, not realize we were going to have Google as yo, our special co-host. She's, if you listen to the podcast, she's the she's like the star of the show. Like every podcast, we have to ask her a question, and she kind of It's fine. Does she that. comes through. Yeah, I comes I through. was following along with the text because I had <laughs> to make like, sure yo, she yo, wasn't going to lie. Uh, yo, what's Tracy's last name? <laughs> <laughs> no, I really can't remember name? because like there's been... Over, like, the past three years, there's been, like, this concentration of bullshit that has happened in my life where I can't really remember names and and everything that happened. I can't hardly remember where I was half the time. You know, you know Google also tracks where you, your location. That's okay. You know your Google timeline? I really have to refer to that a lot. But, look, so going back to uh, Mr. Jones, who created the Thermo King, because I was making a point earlier in the show, but you know how you like to read books, so you had to tell us about one of your books I like how she, that you were talking to me like, you talking to me like a woman getting mad at her husband or boyfriend. It's like, you Why know, I gotta be all like, that? Like, 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 you making the book sound like some side bitch. Like, oh, uh, I know how you love your, your books. books <laughs> your little books. Why don't you, why don't you read that for information? Yeah, right? Go get that. Since, since you don't want to talk to me. Refer to your books. Like, all right, bitch, I'm gonna be. <laughs> you know what? I just wanted to make this connection between the fact that once refrigerated trucks and, and the whole refrigeration system became more sophisticated, and so that gave that gave more um, ability for our food system to be rapidly changed in the mm-hmm. way that it has so that produce and such that we used to get from our yards and from our own land, now we can go to the grocery store and get it because now we can get them avocados you was talking about that girl mm. should have been bagging up. That we can get them in, we can keep them fresh. We can mm-hmm. get our tomatoes from Mexico and all that stuff because we can get them things in here refrigerated. And so that that system, I mean, definitely want to give props to uh, Frederick McKinley Jones for doing what he did for the refrigeration system. You know, black excellence needs to be it needs to be you know respected no matter what. However, that was not the best that was for the people in general as far mean, as how mean? we're taking in our food because our food system is now we are reliant upon our grocery stores for our produce well, well specifically instead of growing it well here's the other thing too that that specifically talking about black people is that when we're talking about a lot of inner cities 
um, there was a thing that was saying that um, take grocery stores out of the equation. There's a lot of inner city areas where black people, their only food is from like dollar stores. You know what I'm saying? That's the thing. Where, 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 you know, that, you know, you're, you're having, and even talking about grocery stores, mm-hmm. you're having these grocery stores kind of fall, kind of collapse. Um, in exchange for these kind of dollar places where there's no produce in a lot of these places. There's a lot of stuff. Very true. There's a, there's a lot of food that's in there. That's, that's like, you know, uh, it's full of salt. Yeah. You know? And so when we're talking about, uh, community gardening and things like that, here's my question for you. And this is one of the things I wondered that I wanted to ask is that yeah. if, if you have people that are, are, it doesn't have to be an inner city situation. It can be just just people that don't have a backyard to be able to have an entire garden. What are some mm. things that someone can grow in their house if they have a window and they could put like something outside, like you know, outside the window, like a little seal out there? What are some foods that that if you want to get into having a green thumb that you can do without a lot of resources that doesn't take a lot of time that you can kind of grow something that you can say, hey. If it's not a very elaborate operation, I can at least do this. Yeah. And have control over some food that I'm making and eating. You talking about no balcony is only in the house? I mean, a balcony. Yeah, maybe maybe a balcony. Because yeah, yeah. a balcony will give you just that much more access. Yeah, well, um, give, give me something, nigga. Because we need the sun. We mm. definitely need the sun. Well, yeah, I, I ain't going to say we're going to grow some food in the dark. But no, I'm saying like, we can but grow there, mushrooms in but, the dark. But there's a lot of people that um, <laughs> there's a lot of people that, <laughs> that, that don't have access to a backyard to be able to have a quote-unquote sure. garden. But, but That's how my business got started was me having – uh, restrict restricted access to a yard mm-hmm. and I was having to grow. So I can answer this question, which is with the balcony, you can grow cucumbers in a container. You mm-hmm. can grow tomatoes in a container. Uh, there are two different types of tomatoes. So you want to make sure that you get the tomato that is an indeterminate type, meaning that it is not going to grow extremely large. Uh, you can also grow eggplant uh, you'll be surprised at what you can grow. Mm, okay. Um, what's the, what's the time? What's the time on that? From from start to shit, I can eat this. How long? <laughs> <laughs> how how long for the cucumbers? Cucumbers generally, I want to say about like fifty five days, something okay. like that. Okay. All right. All if, right. If you got about two to three months, you definitely will be able to eat. Now you can you can definitely grow your kale. Kale mm-hmm. likes to be in a container. You can grow lettuce. Now. Going back to going inside, mm-hmm. inside specifically, lettuce does well inside. Okay. Definitely needs some light, but lettuce is a crop that does not like a lot of heat. All right. So you can definitely grow, like you can have your salad. You can grow spinach as well. <laughs> hey girl, I put this shit on my window seal. That's and right. Now it's in your plate. <laughs> <laughs> and herbs as well, like okay. mint and basil. And uh, I can make see. my own pesto. Okay. Yeah, you can make right. your own pesto. So, so, so when you're talking to black people and trying to like give them kind of the inspiration to start growing their own stuff, what's what's the common pushback you get, if any? Well, I don't really get pushback. Niggas be like Kroger's right up the street, nigga. It's it's like just the whole concept of I've never done this before. And that's something that I would leave to people who I know know how to do it. So for me, like, you know, going back to how the business got started as a garden coach, Mm -hmm. recognizing that there are people who want to do it, but they are not sure how to do it. 
And of course, you can ask Auntie Google is what I like to say. However, Auntie going to give you a lot of information and then you got to sort through that information to try to figure out what is actually best practice. So to have somebody who's done it before, especially failed before. Mm -hmm. And so that means I know what don't work. Yeah. Then I'm like, okay, so this is what you do. This is how you do it. Someone to give you that guidance in a similar vein as a personal trainer. Okay. So that was kind of when I came up with the term garden coach and when I came up with the concept of garden coaching and helping somebody through the whole process, I thought about how a personal trainer would advise someone and and people go to a personal trainer because they have that same kind of you vulnerability. Pull, you pull out a whistle, like, don't blend those sheets down. That's right. Give it more water. Yeah. Fuck you. Yeah, exactly. You, you one of them people. Well, no, I'm not going to do it like that. I definitely wouldn't because I want you to feel comfortable and I want you to feel empowered. And so that is a big deal for me when it comes to thinking about our people in general and needing to be empowered. And, you know, this is something that just blew my mind that made me very excited and proud about the work that I do, which is learning that growing your own food is an act of activism. Oh, yeah. Well, well, all right. Well, this is what I was going to get to. And I cool. think you, you kind of gave me the leeway for it. Listen, and this is kind of this is a PSA to black folks out there is that the idea of I don't have to know how to do this because I can go to a grocery store. Mm. I'm going to tell you something about white folks. White folks, especially when it comes to um, protecting themselves or, or looking after themselves, like the zombie apocalypse or whatever, yeah. you know, they're ready for that shit because you got, got guns. You got you got white people at the shooting range. Um, you got white people with homesteading C- with CWPs, concealed weapon permits. You have white people that hunt. You got white people that know how to fish. These are things that we just associate with just white folks. But this is stuff that our grandparents did. And see, come on. Now. And, and, and our grandparents were self-sustainable. You know what I'm saying? Homesteading. Where, where they ain't had to go nowhere else to depend on anybody else. And maybe that was a situation where they didn't trust white folks or white folks didn't let you in these grocery stores or these or these markets or whatever. So it was out of necessity. But we've gotten really, really far away from that. So I would say anything that you can look up in your community, if there's community gardens, if there's um, places that have classes about gardening or horticulture or whatever the case may be, or and there are, or 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 even I was reading something today about um, there is a black, uh, it's a African American gun organization that is kind of like our version of the NRA because the NRA does not respect black people and people oh, of color. We know That's that. why I got rid of my membership after Philando Castile. But there's something that talks about, hey man. Black folks need to know how to have CWPs. Black people need to know how to how to uh, 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 handle weapons and things like that because you know all these like movies where white people are scared of like aliens coming to the earth. <laughs> I'm scared of white people. You know what I'm saying? And, and so and that's a and that's a, a healthy fear. But that's a, but that's a real thing to be able to to know these things, to understand these things. And it's like this is a story that I talked about when I did my Black as Fuck One Man Show when I talked about my dad and I remember. When I was 10 years old, my, my my mom kept telling my dad, she's like, you know what? I want a deck in the backyard. And she pulled out a piece of paper and she drew out, like, this is how the deck needs to look. Oh. Blah, 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 right? And she kind of just, you know, sketched it out because my dad was like, I don't know if we can put a deck back there. I was like, yo, nigga, like, this is how we should do the deck. You're going to do this deck. Listen, and I remember my dad would pick me up from elementary school and take me to Lowe's. And he bought all this wood, bought all this lumber. And that nigga... And I didn't think about it at the time until I got older. The nigga built my mom a deck. 
Oh, you, you know what I'm saying? Carpentry. Now, 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 listen. Some of it is cute. Some of it is irritating because that was a great moment for my dad and I to bond for him. This nigga to be like, yo, this is how you cut this. This is how you do it. He never did that. Right. Right. But you know why he didn't do that? Why? Because he want to be able to say to my mom, yeah, I did this by myself. You know what I mean? So there's, oh. a, so, there's a, so, so there's also that that's in it. But let's not get twisted on that part of it. That's a whole nother thing for me and my therapist. Hey, Dr. Shari. But when we're talking. <laughs> <laughs> but, but, Shout out to the therapist. But, 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 but when I talk about those like fundamental things that my dad knew, okay. like he knew how to do that. He knew how to. Yo, this is like we knew how to kill a hog, we knew how to strip a hog, we knew wow. how to cut them up, we knew how to to, to store it. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Those are fundamental things that I think we need to get back to, and and gardening we is do one need of them. To. Absolutely, no, it's not like well, maybe there will be a zombie apocalypse. Well, definitely there. It's a cracker apocalypse. I'm so scared. <laughs> oh shit! Definitely the caucasity. Well, the caucasity of because I was to my, shout out to my white neighbors that might hear me yelling. I'm sorry. Yeah, well, they'll be all right. Yeah. You know, white privilege. So, sorry, Rebecca. So there is. I was just talking about this on my show about how with Australia being on fi- uh, on fire and with how global warming is happening and with the way that we can definitely attribute the destruction of the climate and all of the shit that's being put in the air and in the oceans and the way that the environment is being destructed to white supremacy. And because those are the ones, the white people are the ones who are owning these corporations and all this corporate greed and dumping all these oil and stuff into the oceans and stuff. Mm -hmm. And also, you know, all these factories with all of this stuff that's going into the air that is polluting the air I, this is just my personal theory, okay? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. But I feel like, you know, if we ask Google, <laughs> she personal probably, theory, white people ain't shit. <laughs> she probably could back us up on this, but really, that's the global warming is real, is my point. And so, because it is what it is, our, uh, what is it, our shores, you know, those are the, they're getting, they're getting eroded, right? Mm-hmm. Like I was talking to someone from a, a nonprofit organization that specializes in environmentalism and things of that nature. And they were saying how in just a few short years, there's not really going to be coastal living. People that live on the coast are going to be moving in inland because it's just going to be oh. that much more volatile. So yeah. going to your point, we are going to have to get back to more sustainable well, practices such as gardening if we are expected to not completely destroy well, the earth. Well, well, essentially, you're basically saying that white people have to be less white people. But we're saying hmm. specifically, like, and this isn't this isn't hyperbolic in any, any measure. Miami, 50 years from now. Charleston, 50 years from now. I was thinking about they're, Charleston. They're I didn't want to alarm the Charleston they're, they're probably, listeners. They're probably going to be gone at this yeah. rate. Here's my theory about white corporations and people that are the head of these things that, that are polluting the earth and doing all this crazy shit. Here's my theory on them. Okay. Is that, you know, when we have these major corporations that are paying money to these politicians to keep um, a lot of these regulations um on standby for these things to happen when we talk about global we talk about global warming and we have politicians getting paid to support these things that are fucking up the earth my theory is this these rich white folks or politicians are saying i'm going to pocket this money because Mm -hmm. i have faith that even though things are fucking up i have faith 
that scientists are going to work so diligently that at some point they're going to fix it. That is so lazy. I mean, but that's but that's exactly what it is. It's, it's it's like I really and truly feel that they believe. All right, Elon Musk, figure this shit out. <laughs> you know no. what I'm saying? Like, I'm telling you that, that because because that has to be the only reason why they do this. Because for people to act like saving the planet is a partisan issue. Oh, it's a Democrat thing. It's That's like, no, dumb. This should, like both of us should want. We <laughs> all have to live here. Both of us should want Miami to stay here. You the know sun what I'm is going to be just as hot on anybody, no matter what look, set look, you claim. Look, look, look man, it's, it's, it's when we talk about, you know, the Australian fires that's been going on for a while, or we're talking about the hurricanes that we get on a regular basis. Um, we talk about all these like, uh, really, really ridiculous, uh, exotic weather things that happen um, on a consistent basis. It's like that's the new normal. You know I what wanna. I mean? When when I when our winters have days that are eighty degrees, that's a new normal, and 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 I, that's a thing that I I just you know. I feel like I'm in a safe space. Can I just say how I really feel like this is all gonna go down? I feel like we okay, gonna die. No we talking about the end, the end terms. I'm not talking about like whatever's happened biblically because I that that kind of is a, a little bit over my head with all that language it, it's not all of that is not necessary this is how I see it as far as how the earth works uh the earth doesn't need us it really doesn't like the earth was already good before we got here and somehow we here and mm. we are managing to do a very shit job of taking care of the earth and so like you said, hurricanes, natural disasters. You see what happens when there's natural disasters? We can't really do anything about it. You can't stop a tree from falling on your house or on your head or whatever. So what would happen if there were a bunch of earthquakes as well as a bunch of hurricanes as well as very hot extreme weather and just nonstop raining? Eventually, <laughs> wouldn't we all just die? Yeah, we're, we're, we're when we're all the buildings collapse, Listen, like we can't sustain if there were just a series of back to back natural disasters around the earth. Like the um, the point that I'm getting to with that is that the earth could literally just swallow us up. Well, it's it's happening. And one of the things that that's disappointing about the United States is that the United States theoretically is supposed to be um, the trendsetter when it comes to environmental ideals to kind of save the planet or be. Or, or be innovative. Yeah. So, so for an example, right here, here's it, and I talked about this before. There was an article talking about, um, you know, the way Trump kind of got elected, where he's like, oh, the coal people and the southern rural people, and how you know they're trying to kill the coal industry and blah blah blah. And you got a bunch of you know rural white people angry that coal is being kind of taken out of the equation. We don't need coal, but but that's the reality of it. Coal, yeah. coal needs to be taken out. But I'm gonna get to, get to that in a second. But there was an article talking about. The the comparable thing for that was there was an article talking about um, the transition between maybe a hundred plus years ago where you would have like how we have street lights out here. Okay. Back in the day, it used to be a guy riding a horse with a kerosene lamp, mm. and so when electricity was coming in, mm -hmm. that outcry of shit, electricity is going to fuck up the kerosene guy. It's the same thing that we're dealing with yeah. with the cold stuff. So the reality of it is, is that the United States, our job isn't to get frustrated and to hold on to these old industries like coal because we shouldn't be dependent on that. And petroleum. The, the innovation should be creating the innovation and training the people to give them new jobs. Yeah. So so when we're talking about the the flaw in, in, in American innovation, here's the flaw, and this is what someone said that I thought was pretty profound if you would have asked me 15 years ago 
how do I want to listen to my music at the gym? I would have said, oh, I want to listen to it on my portable CD player. That's what I wanted. <laughs> but innovators aren't supposed to give us what we want. They're supposed to say, yo, I know you want this portable CD player, but here's the here's the iPod. And, yes. and that's what we're supposed to be. And, and America, theoretically, is supposed to be ahead of that curve to say, all right, I know you might be wanting coal, but here's uh, the alternative, and here's how we're going to get you prepared and ready for this. Because yeah. because if we're going backwards to try to try to maintain a lot of these things that, that aren't good for us, um, it's going to kill the country. But what ends up happening is when you have Trump uh, uh, creating a rally cry, with the coal miners has nothing to do with coal miners. It's like I don't understand how people think that Trump gives a fuck about coal miners. His whole his whole life is like they're working class it, people. He doesn't care about working exactly. class people. Exactly. So for, for for people to associate him with working class rural white folks is hilarious that to me is. because there's nothing about his brand that says that at all. It's, it's just all that, luxury, baby. It's just it's just that it's just that it's five hundred dollar toilet paper up in here. The mistake that white people have done, and we're speaking specifically about rural white people, when when we you know, a week after MLK, uh, is that MLK wasn't assassinated because he was talking about civil rights. He was assassinated when he was doing the poor man's march because what he was trying to do was say, "Hey, rural, unite the poor." Yo, rural white people, rural black people, we have some of the same issues. We don't have good health care. Uh, 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 we don't teeth have are falling out. Yo, our teeth are falling out. We don't have unions, which is a big fucking deal. We don't. Mm. We, our education levels are really, really low, especially when we talk about the rural South. That's when he was killed. But white, mm-hmm. but white rural people have the ability to say, "All right, I know I'm going through the same shit as this southern black guy, but the fact that we're going through the same stuff, I'm white, makes me better." And that's where white southern rural people will elect people that will cut their nose and spite their face. So when you look at rural white people voting for Republicans to get rid of Obamacare, and you look at places like Kentucky that depend on Obamacare more than anybody else, they're voting the politicians to take out the shit that they need the most. You know I don't feel saying? sorry for them. I don't feel sorry either. But at this, but at the same time, when, when our life is dependent on <laughs> really toxic white people, is really, really not a fun place to be. It's not. But that ignorance, how do the question becomes how is it even possible for us to overcome that ignorance? Well what we're saying is niggas buy some seeds because this shit is about to be over. Get some you ain't seeds. Go, you ain't gonna be able to go to Whole Foods, you ain't gonna be able to Trader Joe's, you can't go to Kroger. I'm not gonna Yo, do it. Get your guns because these white folks yeah. are coming. They're gonna try to kill you. And for you mixed black people, I don't know what you're gonna do. You know what I'm saying? Like, right. eh. I don't have a But it's, it's going to get really, really bad really, really soon. And I'm being sort of sarcastic, but not really. So so those things that we all take for granted from planting our own food, hunting, fishing, all the shit that we think that country white boys do, which they do. We need to know how to do it as well. But, okay, you mentioned this earlier. It's It's associated with whiteness, but that is just not it. It is not a white thing. Like, Agreed. We were... Okay, so West Africans were taken from that land and brought to America for for to these very shores of South Carolina mm-hmm. for their agricultural expertise. But you know what ends up happening and why we're not associating ourselves with that is that here's what white people do. <laughs> my here's my theory. 
you, you got Colonel Sanders who probably oh, at some point God. his family probably <laughs> his, his family probably had a plantation and they didn't know what to do with chickens, right? So they would give the chickens to the enslaved people that lived on the plantation. Mm. Then one day, one of the white people tastes that chicken. I'm like, God, oh my God. God damn it, this thing tastes goddamn delicious. What you got in there? Well, sir, I got some twelve herbs and spices on this. I'm like, really? Yeah. Well, tell me tell me what herbs and spices they are. Well, I don't know what they are, but I put a little of this, I put a little of that. Put, and so you got Colonel yeah. Sanders family writing down this recipe. Yes. <laughs> right? That's and definitely so, and so that's and, not an isolated situation either. So what ends up happening with like with us taking the credit for ourselves is that as soon as we do something great, there's always some white corporation that comes in. We give them the we give them the game and then they take the credit for it. Something similar, right? Me as an alcoholic. Um have you heard oh, of, okay. have you heard of have you heard <laughs> of the Jack Daniels uh uncle something? Hold on a second. Hey Google, tell me about the Jack Daniels Uncle series. God damn it. Hey, Google, tell me about the Jack Daniels series about the enslaved man that taught them how to make Jack Daniels. My apologies. God damn it. Hey, Google, tell me about the Jack Daniels and the slave. They know that shit. Jack Daniels is a brand of Tennessee whiskey and the top selling American. That's not it. It is produced in Lynchburg, Tennessee, by the Jack Daniel Distillery, which has been owned by the Brown Foreman Corporation since 1956. All right, stop it. Is this when Jack Daniels failed to honor a slave? Hold on. No? It might be it. Uncle Nearest. Uncle Nearest, so, Uncle yeah. Nearest. So, so, for an example, um, Jack Daniels is now doubling back and trying to give him credit. But when Why? you have because the family, the the family found out about the stuff. Because what ends up happening is this, you know, you have to have a very, very delicate algorithm to create this whiskey. And so what yes. ends up happening with with in the eighteen hundreds specifically, you got black people that know about food. You got black people that know about, you know, plants and how to do Expertise. all the stuff. So what happened is Uncle Nearest, what this is based on, was that Jack Daniels, when it was coming to fruition, it was a a black ex slave, yeah, that helped them with their with their recipe. That was they they call him a um a something master. They called him a not a mix master, but something like that. Okay. But but he was responsible for being like, yo, this is how you make this shit. Right. Let me teach y'all how to do this shit. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. And and at some point in time, it became this huge business. So Jack Daniels had the wherewithal to be able to create this brand of Uncle Nearest mm -hmm. Jack Daniels, where the money goes to his family. Okay. So so that's them acknowledging, yo, we found this out about the history of our company. We're gonna try to make some retribution to some 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 case in point. Mm -hmm. But historically, what happens in this country is we don't get the credit. You know what I'm we saying? Like we don't we don't get the credit, and, yeah. and a lot of times we you know we're put in the situations where it's like white people in jazz. It's like jazz, oh, jazz or go. rock music. That's us, and like white people are like oh, oh, there's nothing funny in the white people trying to like give you a, a lesson on jazz music. Have right. you ever heard of this uh, Charlie Bird Parker record? Like sit your ass down, motherfucker. <laughs> <laughs> you ever heard of uh, the Earth, a wind, and a fire? Like niggas, you sit your ass. It came down. from our soul, Taylor Swift. Yeah. Well, see, when Taylor Swift be trying to do her Beyonce copying, it just doesn't work out. You ever see her try to do that shit when she tried to bring the band out and she got her little pink outfit on with no ass at all? Okay. It's, it's, it's none. There's a reason why I haven't seen that is because it's just not for me. A friend of mine 
um his he had a podcast he he's not associated with it anymore but it was called the extraordinary negroes it seems like that would be you know a cousin to what you're doing here my my friend my dear friend alex hardy he's a writer and things his term his saying is french fries do not influence potatoes oh so i mean they just really some french fries out here and, and that always gives me great comfort is to know that that's just not how it works. Yeah, yeah. You just don't get to be the potato, bro. Well, the reality of it is, too, is that I feel like black folks, when it comes to creatives and artists, is that we need to stop looking for uh, the gratification of the Oscars, the Grammys. Now, mind you, if I'm, I'm, a, I'm an artist, so if I, if, if, if I was nominated for a Grammy yeah. or won a Grammy, I'd we be excited understand. about it. Yes. But, but I'd be excited about it because of what it could do for me financially. Because as soon as that, as that. soon as soon the term Grammy-nominated Priest Jacobs is put into a sentence, the price goes up. It's a few but, more zeros. But as far as, and the two zeros would be $100. But as, far, <laughs> <laughs> but, but as far as the validation attached to it, I don't have it there. And I feel like I say this all the time about hip hop culture. Hip hop works its best when it's not seeking the approval of white America. We oh, have sure. to we have to operate for ourselves and our people. And if they interested in it, you're cool. But you're coming into our territory. Show your respect, show your love, and it's cool. But but to try to to try to make you feel comfortable, that's not happening. Right. And so and so I take that ethos and apply it to everything that I'm looking at. So when it comes mm-hmm. to, you know, speaking of gardening, gardening, white people be like, why is it called black in the garden? Because this is something that the community needs and y'all never had this hang up. So shut the fuck up. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, <laughs> and, there, and also, uh, I just knew I was having a black experience when I was like, you know, out in the garden with my bonnet on. A and, Nicolation. you know, like listening to, you know, Earth, Wind and Fire or Anita Baker or something like that. Mm. I know that people oh, tell us what like there's there's dudes outside in their do rags, mm-hmm. you know, cutting the grass or tending to their landscape plants or something of that nature. I'm outside also twerking to something like Lil Wayne or some other variation of trap music. How you go from Anita Baker to Lil Wayne? Because versatility. (laughs) Lil Baker. No. I mean, you know that, that, that we are very dynamic people. We are not a monolith. Okay. So, you know, I use the words. I don't understand. I'm going to take it as disrespect. I'm in the, I'm in the house. I'm, I'm playing, you know, music for, for my house plants. You know, all kind of soul. Your, 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 your house plants want to hear the Carter part too. They do, <laughs> and and we're just and we in there, we frying up our chicken or whatever, and we having us a good black time, and we are also tending to our plants, and we are having, like I said, a good black time. And there were just times where I would be dealing with certain situations. Like I'll give you an example. I had some squash. Mm. Certain plants have certain pests that are associated with them so there was there was a squash bug infestation i look up under the leaf i'm like yo no so the first song that pops in my head is bone crusher never scared and i go into the house and i'm just like nah fuck it i'm gonna play the song and it got me hyped up because i knew that i had to go to battle with these bugs Okay, because I'm like, and and then I'm changing the words. I'm like, I'm outside in the garden. You think I'm a punk? You think I'm going to let these squash bugs eat my stuff? No. So I go in. I ended up burning the plant. That's that's another story. But I thought the story was going to end in victory. You ended up burning the motherfucker. (laughs) I I didn't burn the whole. No, no, don't get me wrong. I did not burn the whole plant. The plant. Come on, nigga. 
I burnt the part that had the bugs on it because I just decided it was easier for me to just go in there and just let them go out in a blaze. Like, don't come in my garden thinking that you gonna go that you gonna that this is gonna fly. So I did not burn the whole plant. I just burnt the leaves that had those eggs on them. But that was a particularly black experience that I had. And I'm like, I know I'm not the only one that is out here feeling this way. I think you're the only one singing Bone Crusher to Squash. <laughs> I, think, I think I could accurately say I think say you're that. wrong. You can <laughs> ask the listeners and the supporters All of two Black listeners. in the Garden. Mom, did you listen to Bone Crusher when you're growing squash? You're talking about two listeners to this one. I'm talking about I have my wonderful supporters of Black in the Garden. Oh, you ain't going to have them after this. They're going to be like, you didn't preach this podcast. I'm going to fuck they're, that. They're, yeah. they're going to be that much more excited because oh they're gosh, like, oh, this yeah. is a very particular Black situation. And so it's all good. It's all good. No, this is this is right on brand. I'm sorry. All right. Um, we talked long enough. Uh, give everybody, <laughs> give everybody your uh, your information if they want to check out the podcast or stalk you. I mean, sure. follow you on uh, social media. Yeah, stalk, follow. It's all pretty much <laughs> yeah, the same by now. Hashtag bring us some squash. Quinn, Quinn. Okay, hashtag Black in the Garden. All right, I mainly do my thing on the Instagram, but now when we're talking about the podcast, it's very simple to find. Um, your if you just want to be lazy about it, you can ask Google. I'm not talking to you right now, girl. Hush. Yeah, she gonna Auntie Google will definitely, if you put in Black in the Garden podcast, then it does come right up. It is on Spotify. It is on Apple Podcasts. I always ask if you're feeling, well, not feeling. I just ask that, you know, leave a review on Apple Podcasts because it makes a difference. Let me, okay? ask, let me ask her. Hey, Google, what's the latest episode of Black in the Garden podcast? motherfucking right <laughs> that is right the urban academic see i told you and she's playing it that's right she just put it on anger you stop whatever you all right hey google hey google she keeps hey google hey google stop please thank you did i lie though you ain't lying. Nobody said you. Nobody called you a liar. I'm not saying that that was the implication. I that's just, just something that I. Like I mean, to we ask. just said that niggas don't be singing motherfucking bone crusher to well to plants. It's but you know I do. Right. I'm just saying when so you're black, black in the, in the garden, garden that's podcast. what you do. Yeah, so of. as you can see, you can ask Auntie Google and she will show you the way. It's on Spotify. It's on Apple Podcasts. It's on Google Podcasts, which is a thing. It is also on. All the other cast is what I like to call it, like pocket. It's on cast. the outcast. It's on Stitcher. Well, I'm trying to figure out how to get it on YouTube because I actually kind of want to see commentary, but you know we'll you get know, there. You, you don't want none of that. It, I just I want more engagement with my listeners. I want to know what they're thinking. Usually about people go things. on YouTube to leave comments. It's never positive engagement. It's like who's this Kim talking about? Fruit? But on on my on the more notable podcast that I like. When I go on their YouTube, uh, the fans of the supporters, they are supportive and things. I mean, I don't care about trolls. I'm not here for them. I They're not going to stop me. But on Instagram, it's at Black in the Garden. On Twitter, it's at Black in the Garden. But you're mainly going to see the most activity on Instagram because that's just, it's a visual thing, you know. And I like to highlight the uh, black professionals and non-professionals who are just out here Loving on their plants and, you know, doing that in a professional capacity like horticulturists and um, and doctors and 
you know, those who who are like plant stylists and florists and things of that nature. We're out here literally doing all of these things and we just are needing to be recognized for it. So shout out to all of that. And I appreciate y'all support. Well, I appreciate you coming here, the support coming out here on a rainy ass Friday night. It's raining. To do the pod. Uh, shout out to the Candace in the background, not saying two words, even though she was excited. She's like, I'm Ann and her. Country ass Candace in the background. Um, I think this is it. Uh, ladies and gentlemen, this is an Eagle League podcast. Go by the name of Preach Jacobs. We're sponsored by Mo Better Soul Clothing. Go to MoBetterSoul.BigCartel.com. Please buy something because I got to go to San Francisco next month. And the nigga's broke. So please, if you buy something, <laughs> <laughs> if you please buy something. Buy a shirt or something. Please, baby, buy something. I need to go out there. I got some work to do. Uh, MoBetterSoul.BigCartel.com. Enter code Negro to save 10% on your next order. We're also sponsored by DownEastRecords.com. Shout out to the homie Matt Barube, the founder of Down East Records. You can also go to Down East Records on all social media and to code Negro for your next vinyl order. He has great rates Ooh. on shipping as well. And um, we're also sponsored by Tussie. Tussie, Live. Tussie. Ooh. <laughs> it's an Eagle League podcast. Thank y'all for listening. Peace. I mean,